Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 122. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, friends, and welcome back. On today's show, we are applying KonMari principles to our quarantine spaces. Now, before we even do that, let me paint you a quick picture, a brutally honest picture of what my household looks like these days. So envision this. My husband has taken over the kitchen table as his work-from-home space, and there are two laptops, a smattering of writing utensils, and a heck of a lot of papers all over the thing. (laughs) Then there is my oldest daughter's homeschooling items. There's the books. There's the worksheets. There are oh so many worksheets, by the way, and why is that, and why are they never stapled? (laughs) They're everywhere, and they're just lingering everywhere in my household waiting for me to pick up. There are toys everywhere, too, because my youngest daughter is home all day, and because she's home all day, there are so many more hours in the day for her to make a mess. And then finally, they are eating, like six times a day, six small meals a day. I have no idea why, but those six small meals make six small messes, and the kitchen is always open. There are always dishes and cups to deal with every single day. Now, my household can sometimes feel like a minimalist's worst nightmare, and I have a strong suspicion that my household is what many of your households are like these days during quarantine. We are all in the same situation. We are all working through the same daily obstacles, and we're really all united in the fact that we're all going through some amalgamation of the same exact thing. We're all working out how to coexist without clutter. And on today's show, I have invited Jessica Yatrovsky to come on and discuss practical ways we can cultivate a home space that works for all of us, for the working from home professionals, for the homeschooling kids, and for the parents who are in charge of keeping all the clutter at bay. Now, Jessica wears a lot of hats, but I was especially excited to have her on today's show because she is a certified KonMari consultant and she aptly applies those tried and true KonMari nuggets to these unprecedented circumstances. 
Now, what I love about our conversation today is that Jessica's tips and tricks are timeless, which means that if you are listening to this episode well after COVID-19 has come and gone, you will still get some tidying wisdom that will apply to you as well. My interview today with Jessica starts off with some work from home tips, but if you are not so interested in those work from home organization tips and you're just looking for some homeschooling organization tips, go ahead and skip right to minute 1710. And if you are really just looking for some good old-fashioned tried into KonMari decluttering tips, you're going to want to skip ahead to 2748. Now, this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 122. That's mamaminimalist.com forward slash 122. Let's jump right into today's conversation. Enjoy. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Please tell my listeners who you are and what you do. Well, my name is Jessica Yatrovsky. I am an artist. I'm an author. I'm a minimalist. I am a lifestyle coach, and I focus on mindful living through creating aesthetically aligned home and workspaces. I'm also a certified Kanmari consultant, and I am the co-host of a podcast called Mindspace Minimal. Well, I am super excited to talk to a KonMari consultant because I know my home needs some life-changing magic (laughs) right now. And I'm just going to ask you right off the bat this very pressing question that's been on my mind. Is it even possible for our homes to feel harmonious and spacious during quarantine or should we all, myself included, just lower our standards? Absolutely. It's possible. But however, I think that we do need to lower our standards just a little bit at the moment. We need to be easy, try to focus on and tend to those tasks that are most urgent. But I think what we need to be doing first is making sure that we're being mindful about taking care of ourselves and our families first before anything. And, you know, I have a lot of clients that they're, they have different needs and different requests. And hey, if you happen to be the person that has time and wants to use this opportunity to do a spring cleaning or a wardrobe detox, hey, that's great. But just a little bit about what I do too is much of the work that I'm doing with clients, it's centered around tapping into your intuition and discovering your true desires by focusing on how to create your ideal life, your ideal lifestyle, your ideal home through learning how to cultivate and curate your environment on your own. So right now, I'm really encouraging everyone to begin to or try to practice using your intuition to guide your choices while you're at home right now. And we're at a really unique time where we have the opportunity, some of us, not every single person that may be listening, but a lot of us have the opportunity to examine the way we are living now and decide if this is aligned with our ideal lifestyle, our ideal household, if you will. So try to observe and take stock of what you have, what you're grateful for. Practicing gratitude is a great way of just being in the moment. And, you know, you can also think about what you'd like to change, what you'd like to improve or even adjust. 
Your answer, I must say, is completely surprising to me because I thought you would naturally, with your background, talk about the physical space. But instead, what I loved about your answer is that you're really talking about, I think what I would call it as a wellness mindset, right? It's maybe not so focused on the stuff or the space, but first we all need to focus on making sure that we're just simply taking care of ourselves. That's kind of the foundation. And I've been doing a lot of <laughs> late night Googling of like how how to get through this time, how to how to make it work. And there is something to be said for making self-care, whatever it is for you, an unapologetic piece of your day. So just for anybody listening who's spiraling like I have in the last few days, uh, I have found that when I really hone in on what I know is tried and true for me, it works for me, when I make that a must-do, first thing, get done on my day, everything <laughs> everything improves after that. So thank you for talking about the importance of self-care because we say it, we hear it, we know it's important, but how many of us actually like truly, truly cultivate that wellness mindset when life is crazy and chaotic? It's the first thing to go usually. I would love to talk to you about something that, again, is not going so well in my house, which is making the spaces that were once used for leisure, transforming those spaces into work-from-home spaces for my husband and homeschooling spaces for my six-year-old. My husband has piles (laughs) of paperwork all over the house, and I know there's got to be a better way. So let's talk about work-from-home first. Like, How can we make work-from-home spaces for ourselves and our partners that actually flow with the rest of the home? Our homes, they should provide stability, right? Security, respite from our busy lives. But look what's happening now. Our homes, they're suddenly becoming our offices, our homeschool. Like all of these spaces have been turned upside down. And the fact that our homes aren't organized the way that we envision for ourselves, this is being thrown into sharp relief. So if you feel like your space isn't work from home ready at the moment, You're absolutely not alone. Many of my clients are asking, how can I create a work-from-home space? So I created a sort of a five-step framework. The first step, we talked a little bit about mindfulness, right? So my first step or recommendation that I would give your audience would be, and you, (laughs) to set an intention for your space. Um, A lot of times we want to spring into action right away. And this is where we can actually take a pause. Intention setting, it's a beautiful way to express your true desires, however small or big they are. I find that visualization is the easiest way to set an intention for any space. And in order to achieve your ideal work from home space, I think it's helpful to first make a list of all the qualities you'd like this space to have. So if you're a Pinterest person, I love a vision board. So your list can actually be just pictures or, you know, vision on a vision board or in your Pinterest, and then set the intention to create that space. 
The second thing is identifying your work from home uniform. What are you wearing right now? I'm curious. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Well, I could say I'm like dressed to the nines, but I'll be honest and say I'm in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. A lot of us are wearing sweats. No judgment. But what I would love to share with everyone is just to kind of plant the seed How you show up in the world says a lot about who you are, even virtually. So yeah, although you may not have the time or you haven't carried out a wardrobe detox during the quarantine, you know, or ever, (laughs) it's possible that you can create a uniform for yourself by simply identifying what outfits or pieces can make you feel professional and put together while you're working from home while you're Zooming, while you're playing school teacher. And so I would recommend selecting a few items from your wardrobe that you feel most confident and comfortable wearing. And that will help you manifest more of a working mindset. So if this means all you need is like a blazer to feel like you're ready to work, just leave your favorite one on the back of your desk, your office chair, your kitchen table chair. For me personally, even if I'm wearing sweats, which I will point out, I put on my best looking sweats. (laughs) I will just take um, red lipstick and I'll just throw some red lipstick on. That's something that makes me feel put together. So for you, if you love to wear your sweats and you just want to throw a pair of heels on during a Zoom meeting, something that just makes you feel that little spark of professionalism and then you feel like you're just ready to get into that work mindset. Now, The third thing, the third step would be to locate the best place for your work from home setup. Now, every home, every apartment, very different, (laughs) has its own challenges. But if you can find a space in your home that you can dedicate to just working, this would be preferable to working in multiple places all over your home to have the kids set up their homeschooling areas all over the home. So with one dedicated space for work, it's easier to maintain that personal life work balance as much as you can, right? I mean, let's approach this with realism (laughs) and compassion. And I think this also helps keep unhelpful clutter from interfering with both of these spaces. And we'll talk about that a little bit more too. Um, Me personally, I tend to favor a workspace with natural light. I feel like that helps me stay productive. It's very overcast today, but I will still be by that window to just kind of absorb any bright light as I can. Um, So when you're designating your work from home area, make sure that you find a space that keeps your energy high because like I was saying before, it's more about how you feel about where you're working rather than exactly where it is you're working. The fourth step, second to the last, is to gather your desk and home office essentials. Um, you know, we can use this opportunity to flirt with our inner minimalists. Less is more. So I would suggest just gathering only what you need for your workday so that you can just stay focused on your work. But, you know, we should also not be afraid to personalize these spaces and make them more conducive to our needs. For example, a great way to create centering energy in your space is to place maybe a candle, some flowers, light an incense, 
something with light fragrance on or near your desk. Um, if you're not into scents, perhaps like a plant or a natural element, like a stone, something that will provide you with a, a grounding sort of effect and a familiarity, something that feels like yours, even if it's for that moment. Then the, the last step is to practice a work from home mindset, which what does that even mean <laughs> right now? It's, it is um, a little bit challenging to navigate even to hear what practicing work from home mindset could look like. And, you know, to be honest, it could be hard to summon an organizational mindset at the start of your day. So what I like to practice is starting my day the night before. This is a great habit and a great way to practice this is by reviewing your upcoming tasks for the following day, whether that's making a list, reviewing your calendar, or simply just envisioning what your day will look like. Just close your eyes and walk through the following day. This is a really helpful practice. So instead of the day just coming at you, You are actively anticipating what is to come, and that's part of practicing a mindful and an organized work-from-home mindset. So I hope that these are some helpful considerations for your listeners as they begin to create their own work-from-home spaces. They're totally helpful, and they're totally helpful, I would assume, too, for the homeschooling moms, especially your last tip about getting ready for the next day, the night before. I have just been inundated with keeping track of all my six-year-old Zoom calls, (laughs) Zoom dance class, Zoom art class, Zoom school. And I found that by writing out her schedule and writing down the tasks I want her to accomplish for that day, the night before, that really grounds me and it keeps her on track. So I feel like all your tips can work for anybody who's home, regardless of what their number one job is. But I would love to talk to you specifically about the homeschooling supplies, because (laughs) there's a lot of them. How can we organize the homeschooling stuff so that they don't just completely overrun us? So this is going to look different for each family member, each family, each individual, but I love the philosophy of place for everything and everything in its place, even if it's temporary. So for now, this can look like a bin, a drawer, a cubby, where these items are put away or stored when they're not in use. Um, So this also means creating a designated space that I was talking about. And this could even be a designated time that that particular space is used while it's not being used for other activities, or you can split it up like, you know, this is the time of day that this space is used for this. I find that that kind of helps. And I'll talk a little bit more about um, that in terms of scheduling and routine. But for example, I have clients who live in small New York City apartments Their children's virtual homeschooling space happens to be the kitchen table for now, for example. (laughs) Okay. So for this time, the kitchen table is school and these other blocks of time are designated for family meals or for work, et cetera. So it's about both being creative with the space and also creating a schedule that feels realistic to stick to, um, which I know can be tough right now. So I would just 
encourage people to approach this endeavor with kindness and compassion and just really do the best that we can with what we have. So much of this is about mindset. I mean, I am going to give you more practical tips, but it really is a mindset. I mean, trying to manage all of this can be very overwhelming. So just kind of returning to this idea of a place for everything and everything in its place. Hmm. I want to share with my listeners a little thing that I have been doing in my house with my six-year-old school stuff that has really been super helpful. And it's really just what you said, everything in its place. Uh, We keep everything in my daughter's backpack, her school bag. So when the day starts and we're ready to get to work, we take out the bag, we unpack the bag's contents, and then when we're done with school, every single thing goes back in the bag. The pencils go in her pencil case and the pencil case goes in her bag. Everything has a place and it's the backpack. (laughs) I love that. That is such a great example. Yeah, it's really helped. Now we got to get my husband's papers uh, all organized, but on the same trajectory here is the toys. My children are home all day long, as many children are these days. And simply because they're home 24 hours a day, the level of household mess is through the roof, right? We're not we're not making messes elsewhere because we're in the house. And toys specifically, I have a designated space for toys, yet the toys are now everywhere. They're not even staying in their spaces. And so like, what do we do with all the kids stuff that I'm tripping over every second of every day? Okay. First thing is to schedule multiple cleanup times throughout the day. You and your family, especially you, should not be left with a mess at the end of the day and should not be leaving cleanup for the end of the day just because that's way too overwhelming. Like, listen to how your the tone of your voice just changed when you were saying <laughs> that, you know? And I think, you know, having a routine where you transition from playtime to quiet time, playtime to school time with a mini tidying party where everyone puts their toys, their books, their art or school supplies away is going to be a major game changer. And of course, like this depends on the ages and capabilities of your little ones, but you can make this a fun transition in between daily activities where you can do something like put on a fun song and see how quickly everyone could put everything away if they can finish it by the end of the song. And I love this because I think it not only helps create a routine while everyone's at home, but it also helps signify, give structure, you know, signifying the end of one activity and the beginning of another. Yeah, I love that. I'm totally going <laughs> to put more. I I don't usually clean up so much during the day. I don't designate or schedule cleanup times, but maybe I need to simply because the mess is bigger. Usually I wait till the end of the day and then we all clean up, but the mess is bigger. So the mess warrants more frequent pickup times. And your response also made me kind of think about how important it is in this time specifically, but also in any time to revisit the household roles, the traditional roles. Us mothers, (laughs) we still do most of the housework traditionally and that creates tension. And now in quarantine, I would assume that 
doing most of the housework and all the household chores, that creates extra tension. So if there is ever a time to delegate and really revisit those household roles, I would say now's the time. Absolutely. And you could give each child a different role in this too and and make it exciting. Like, you know, you're giving them responsibility. So I think that everybody can take part in the tidying up. And if you did multiple sessions throughout the day, it would definitely keep the messes at bay. So I would encourage you to try it. See, I would love to know if it works. So please, (laughs) please be in touch about this. I really want to (laughs) know. I would love to ask you about both the work from home and the homeschool areas. Just more of like a technical question. What would you say about the end of the day. So I told you my husband is kind of parked on the kitchen table. Should I be inviting him to pick everything up <laughs> at the end of the day? Or should I just, again, lower my standards and let his stuff stay there? It, it depends. There are different challenges for every person and household. So if you establish, if if you're establishing a routine and a schedule that can be flexible for every person's needs in the household, that's first and foremost important. So this can look like, you know, designating that separate space and time to utilize those spaces for whatever it is that you're working on, like I mentioned before, and then making the tidying up those spaces a ritual that the whole family participates in. You can then decide, okay, well, maybe his stuff can stay on the kitchen table if it's tidied up in this specific way. But I am definitely an advocate for trying to just put things away at the end of the day because it just, it makes you feel like the surfaces are clear. You can transition into the next activity. You can transition into winding down. And, you know, it's just a, it's going to create good habits that you can keep up and that will help you maintain your spaces. If you're just able to, at the end of the activity, at the end of the day, just put those things away as best as possible in a tidy manner as much as possible. I like that because for me and for a lot of people listening, I would assume the visual clutter creates anxiety. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think that You know, when you start to get really deep into this practice, I know we're just kind of touching on things today, but you're subconsciously taking in information constantly. So if you have a bookshelf that has tons of books on it, that there's text and you're walking by that every day, or maybe that's where you're facing, where you've set up your desk, it is uh, visual clutter, visual noise, visual information. It's almost like you're hearing constant chatter. So as you're creating these spaces, keep that in mind. You know, you want to set up a space, a space that has more of a, um, just a clear and Zen like, (laughs) um, what's the word I'm looking for? You just want to create an environment for yourself where you can completely concentrate at the task at hand and not being sort of called into different directions by different things. And I was also going to say that a lot of times you don't want to clean up. And I get that you leave dishes in the sink and that's just what happens at the end of the day. And you got to give yourself a break, but also 
in keeping in line with what it is to tidy things at the end of your task or the end of your day, I think it shows a lot of respect for your space and how hard you've worked as a family to set up that environment for yourself. So you do want to take time to do those things because you know when you wake up the next morning, you're waking up into a beautiful, love, well-tended-to environment. And those are things that are really going to help your anxiety, help your stress levels, and ultimately just make everybody feel better, even if it's subconscious and they're not aware of why they're feeling more comforted throughout the day. Hmm. Cleaning up and tidying up your space is showing respect for your space, but it's also almost showing respect for yourself. It can be self-care in a way because it's setting you up to start the next day on the right foot, almost. Along the same clutter lines, I just wanted to ask if you, in your experience, have any tips and tricks for keeping all the clutter at bay now and really anytime. Well, I do practice a variety of modalities with clients to strategize what's best for them, but I believe that the best method for keeping clutter at bay is to, as best as you can, declutter first. (laughs) And you know I'm a huge proponent of the Kanmari method specifically for decluttering. So for those of you who are tuning in who may not know what the Kanmari method is, it's a tidying method where you organize your home by category, not by location, and it's five categories. Those five categories are clothing, books, papers, kimono. And kimono is a category that encapsulates your kitchen, your bathroom, electronics, etc. And then the last category is sentimental items. And the idea is that as you're decluttering, you're evaluating each item in each of these five categories that's based on a criteria of whether or not it, quote, sparks joy. It's a bit more involved than that one question, but you get the idea and you've probably heard the spark joy phenomenon (laughs) at this point. (laughs) And you know, what I really like about the method is that everyone is in charge of their own belongings. And my advice would be, you know, not to try to get the family involved if you sense any resistance at the moment. I know a lot of people are super excited that they have some time and they want to dig into this, but I think The best thing you can do is to handle your own belongings and declutter on your own first, work on your personal space or spaces. And I find often when clients focus on their belongings, on on themselves really, their partners and their families feel inclined to do the same thing. So my advice would be to inspire them rather than enlisting them and You know, if you have little ones, you can tidy with them or you can tidy on their behalf if they're really small. And, you know, there's a way there there are ways to make this a fun activity. But keep in mind, once you've decluttered or organized your home, you've hopefully found that everything has a place. So my advice would be after you organize to keep an eye on your consumption. I mean, we're all home right now. It's so easy to see what is accumulating. And, you know, I, I, I work with clients and I talk a lot about, you know, your ideal lifestyle. 
So say you set a goal that you want to have a more spacious, zen-like environment with clear surfaces, but you continue to buy tchotchkes and fill your house up with toys. And, you know, I myself, I'm very hypnotized by advertising. So when you're out shopping, just keep that vision of yourself and your home activated because it's so easy to mindlessly consume and we all fall into these shopping pitfalls. I certainly do. I'm, I'll be in a store. I'm attracted to something in a colorful display. And then I suddenly snap out of it and mentally just do a flashback to all of the times I've bought clothes or items that I never wore, never used. So it's a bit about getting real with yourself on the spot. And this goes for virtually too. I mean, it's easy. We're filling up our Amazon carts and Instacart and all of that. But once you've practiced this enough times or reminded yourself enough times, it becomes easier to shop with a clear purpose and create and maintain that sanctuary for yourself and your family. Jessica, this is such an enlightening conversation, and I want to thank you for all your tips and tricks. I'm actually kind of excited to go back into my household and try to work a little bit harder to making that space work for all of us during these times. Where can my listeners learn more about you and your work? Yay. Well, you can find me at sparkjoydwell.com. You can learn more about my services and you can also find me on Instagram at sparkjoydwell, all one word. And you can also listen to my podcast, Mindspace Minimal on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you can stream. And I just wanted to thank you, Stephanie, for creating this thoughtful platform and community. I'm, I'm really grateful to contribute. So thank you. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Jessica Yatrovsky. I have linked to all her details in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 122. Now, this week's ecotip comes from Story. Story listened to last week's episode, which was episode 121, all about those third-party certifications, and she reached out to mention to me that there are two levels to the Global Organic Textile Standard Certification. The first level is about having 90% organic textiles within a product, but there's a second level which is less strict, and it requires 70% organic fibers in the product to indeed be labeled. So be on the lookout for those two levels of certification as you shop. On next week's show, we are discussing those expensive activities that we can do at home for cheap. I will see you then. Have a great week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care, my friends.